0: time for your weekly dose of nostalgia with the 80s and 90s uncensored i am milo Dennison,
1: and i'm jamie fenderson and today we're talking about the chernobyl disaster
0: yeah so uh i recently read an article about the dogs living in chernobyl so When they were doing all the clearing out and stuff, they actually had soldiers go out and basically kill all the animals, like the cats, the dogs, the, you know, any wild animals around there because they were irradiated. But of course they couldn't get all of them. And so a bunch of dogs still managed to get out and they're living in the area. And now the descendants of those dogs are being tested now because they found they're now genetically mutated because of living in there, but they're actually finding that their genetic mutation is allowing them to live in a radiated area. So they're, they're doing blood and stuff to find out like, well, could we potentially use this in humans in some ways? So it's kind of an interesting subject, which of course leads to, let's talk about the history of what got those dogs there.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of scary that they're doing studies on those dogs so they can be like, hey, how can humans survive something like this? When we get into that kind of jacked up post-apocalyptic world, we can still survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's all it's all jacked up around Chernobyl. And there's, what is it, a 30 kilometer radius that's kind of off limits? Yeah, it's massive.
0: I mean, you can tour it. As long as you're just not there for an extended period of time, but yeah, you, you're not supposed to live in there. Anymore. Yeah.
1: So what they call it dark tourists. I think it's probably something you would like to do. I wish I had a morbid dude. Actually. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I had been, since I even moved over here to Europe, I'm like, I need to do Chernobyl. I need to go to Chernobyl. And I just kept putting it off. And
1: then that stupid invasion. And I'm like, damn it. I should have went when I had the chance, stupid invasion, Russians being bad guys again, man. Yeah. But in, on April 26th, 1986, um, the worst nuclear disaster in all of history happened, and it's it, it happened when they were doing some kind of experiment. With yeah. It was a very flawed experiment, like it wasn't well-designed. I don't know what kind of experiment it was, but it obviously wasn't a very well-designed one because they disabled all the safety systems systems and removed all the control rods, which sounds to me like it's something you shouldn't do at a nuclear power plant. And then there was a power surge that led to two blasts and the number four reactor basically blew up the power plant and spread irradiated particles into the atmosphere. A lot of it, like way more than even the atomic bombs, like the atmosphere around there was like full of irradiated particles.
0: Yeah. So they were testing, lowering the power, uh, safety procedures. So like if they dropped the, the power in the plant, would they still be able to run things? And by removing the rods and stuff, it allowed them to do it, but then they saw a spike in the power. And then, so they put the rods back in, but then the things jammed. And at one point, one of the guys working there, like to the assistant, of the guy that was in charge of, he's like, uh, we should stop this. We we need to stop this experiment because shit's going to happen. And the guy in charge was like, no, keep going, keep going. It's fine. And so it was just like, it was one of these bureaucratic stupidity that you see in like movies and stuff. And you're like, ah, people can't be such dumbasses that cause things like this to happen. It's like, yeah, they
1: were. That's interesting. You bring that up because I want to say that all Russians, they're just kind of dopey and they don't They don't care as much about precision. Maybe they just want to kind of get stuff done. But then this happened in Japan, that Fukushima thing. And the Japanese are known for being like all about precision. And there's something these two incidents have in common. And it's that that one guy is in charge and that one guy says we're going to do it or not do it. And that one guy kind of overrides everybody else. Cause he's the guy in charge. And then you end up with a nuclear disaster. That's what happened in Fukushima too, because they didn't want to challenge authority because they're very authority based. So nowadays what they're doing is they're implementing kind of this captain co-captain kind of thing. Like they have in air- airplanes where you have a captain, he's in charge, but the first officer is like, has a lot of say in what goes on and what's what's done because they don't want just one guy saying making all the decisions right but that's what happened that's what happened in in chernobyl that's what happened in fukushima that's what happens you get one guy in charge who's just in charge of everything and says that he that we're, we're a go even though everybody's telling me not not to do this i'm gonna do it anyway because i'm in charge that's what happens
0: Yeah. And it's smart to do it that way too, because that's why like on, you know, nuclear submarines, right? They have that rule that both people have to turn the key or, you know, do that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So that when um, Lex Luthor dude wants to actually blow up the world, then Denzel Washington could be like, no, and they could have like two factions fighting each other and save the world. Right. That's what I'm talking about.
0: It's interesting like I and especially probably in Russia at that time of how people got promoted from like being members of the Communist Party
1: and knowing the right people and all of that kind of stuff. Well, I think it's very much still that way. It's just not the Communist Party. It's more like the oligarchy now, but it's the same way. Yeah. So yeah, so you had two blasts. The first one
0: that's the kind of cracking and everything and then the second one like blew the lid off of the like a, a thousand ton lid, uh, blew got blown off of the, the reactor and, uh, into the roof. And that's where he's kind of seeing all this stuff. So like just this big, massive explosion. And apparently they still had more back and forth between like people going and looking and saying, Oh no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We can take care of this. And I watched an interview with Gorbachev and he was talking about like the information he was getting. And he kept getting information like, "Yeah, everything's fine. We've got it under control. We've got it under control." And so he's like, "Okay, well, everybody's telling me they got it in control, and obviously
1: they didn't." No, and and that's another thing about these type of systems. And this isn't just a Russian thing. I mean, this is this is an American business, and we worked with this kind of thing before, where you get these these type of cultures or cults, as I call them, where you don't you can't say bad things you can't give criticism or you can't say that something went wrong because then you'll be punished so everything's fine all the time and and everything's good all the time and in fact the soviet union tried to cover this up to the rest of the world because everything's fine right and it wasn't until other countries in like western europe started detecting what it was it sweden or something started detecting all these like really high levels of bad shit in the air. And they're like, well, someone's responsible for this. Like, you, you can't hide this. And then they finally go, like, yeah, we kind of blew up our Chernobyl plant.
0: Oops. Yeah, and it's interesting if you look at the timeline of events and stuff as well, because so they had the explosion... And the first explosion kind of caused the second explosion because what happened is, is oxygen came in after the first explosion and it reacts with the graphite and stuff, which then creates hydrogen, which explodes. Um, and I was reading some kind of quotes about like the firemen. They're coming in and they're just spraying everything down with water. And it's just so massive. The water is not doing anything. It's just kind of pooling under and stuff. <laughs> it's evaporating like before it even gets gets there, right? Basically. Yeah. It's completely useless. And, um, yeah, one of them like was talking about, they show up and they're seeing this like hot graphite laying around on the ground and they're kicking out. Some guy picked up a piece and it was hot. And you know, this is all radioactive material, right? 37 fire brigades ended up showing up with a total of 186 firefighters called in to kind of work on this fire. And the quote is, um, by one of the firemen was, there must be an incredible amount of radiation here. We'll be lucky if we're still alive in the morning. And a lot of them did actually die within a very short period of time. They have 30 deaths that they equate to happening, like fighting it and stuff like that. Like people that worked in the factory uh, at the time that were dealing with it, um, some guys, and then firefighters. And then they're estimating roughly 4,000 died were impacted, you know, via fallout and that kind of
1: stuff. Wow. Yeah. They, they, they have these levels of like nuclear meltdowns and Chernobyl was like the first level seven only to have been followed up by Fukushima, which was also a level seven. So it's interesting. Like I hope we're, I mean, we had one in Pennsylvania or something also in the eighties, but I never, I hope we're never a level seven. Like that's a club you just don't want to be in. (laughs) <laughs> it's, you don't want to be in that club, man. So the local town,
0: Pripat, P-R-I-P-Y-A-T, wasn't even told. And following the explosion, there were a group of inhabitants that went out to a local bridge to watch it. And they talked about it like, oh, it's beautiful. Look at the collars, the rainbow, which was burning graphite, flames, that kind of stuff. But they got a lethal, lethal dose of radiation equivalent to 500 rhodogens, which I have no idea what a rhodogen is. So they renamed that bridge, the bridge of death, because
1: everybody that was standing out on that bridge died um, just from the radiation. If if they, if they even call out that they got 500 rhodogens worth of radiation, I don't know what it, what it is, but it sounds like bad shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, um, I, everything I watched and read today was talking about like the amounts needed to kill a person and, it wasn't until April 27th that buses started to arrive and they evacuated Pripet where 43,000 people lived. Uh, and so they basically were given two hours to pack their things and get the hell out. And they people were talking in the, in the village and stuff like the the air tasted metallic and stuff. And um, just like the effects of just breathing the air and everything. Once they evacuated, interestingly though, the military special and the, Specialists stayed in the local hotel in that village as they were like working and stuff, constantly getting uh, doses of radiation. Uh, helicopters that were flying in and dropping in like sand and boron and lead onto the site and stuff. The pilots and the people like doing work and they're dropping out and they're not wearing a lot of them aren't wearing protective suits and stuff. They're just breathing the air and doing
1: the work. So, yeah, it's crazy. I, I what What is it with that? See, because I think Fukushima, they they you could see they had radiation suits. Like they didn't send anybody in. The Russians though, they're like, just go, 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 do it. If you die, you die. It's okay. <laughs> we give you money. If he yeah. dies. He dies. That's how it is with this war too. They're just sending all these like soldiers with women's pumps in and 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 and, and, and like toy helmets. They're like, ah, just go, just go, do it. What's interesting,
0: too, one thing I was reading, it wasn't just Russia in regards to the fallout. So the nuclear cloud, of course, worked its way over Western Europe at France mm-hmm. and France and all the other countries. Mm-hmm. And the French were basically telling their citizens, that's ah, fine. Don't worry about it as well. So it, so Russia wasn't the only one. And even in regards to the estimates of like people affected and died from the fallout, um, they had meetings amongst a bunch of governments and the initial estimate was really high. And they basically kind of were like, well, let's, let's make that a bit lower kind of a thing. Mm. So it's, they still to this day don't have an accurate number of like people that died because of the, the fallout of that. They've got kids that have all these deformities and all that kind of stuff, which is just terrible to see because they're, you know, living in the area and affected by it and children and people that were affected by it. But, um, there's no f- full
1: estimates. Well, this brings up an interesting thing where you know, we have all these political boundaries and borders, but this is a good example of how, Hey, you're still on this little ball in a solar system, in a galaxy, in a universe, anyone who's ever lived or ever will live and anything that's ever happened is on this little teeny little speck. And, you know, when you blow up nuclear reactors, it doesn't just stay in your border. It goes all over the place and affects all kinds of people. Right.
0: Especially with stuff like nuclear, even Fukushima, because they're talking about releasing radiated water into the ocean and stuff that they, that they need to do. And, and, uh, you know, the experts are like, it's fine, don't worry about it, but um,
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> well, why should we trust that? that right? I yeah. mean, we didn't trust you. Chernobyl was a good example of all these governments saying it's fine. Why should we trust the you that, that you say it's fine? That, that Right, kids? Listen, you don't have to trust people because they, they have some kind of position of authority. Because people in a positions of authority can be full of bullshit too. And in fact, people in positions of authority are the ones who cause these kind of accidents to begin with. So you don't have to believe everything they say. Yeah. So the elephant's foot. So basically
0: mm. what happened is it got so hot and the radioactive material is mixing with the concrete and all this other stuff. And it's actually, there's a term for it. It's called Corium, C-O-R-I-U-M. And the only way to make this is via like a radioactive meltdown it, it's like hotter than you know like it's like the surface of the sun hot kind of thing um the only time they've done this is in in a lab environment or fukushima Hir- Hir- uh, you know like that kind of stuff like at, at <laughs> <meltdown>. <laughs> they've either
1: they, they've either done it through a lab experiment or a complete utter disaster
0: Exactly. That's literally the way it did. It doesn't happen
1: in normal, real nature. Yeah. Oh, it can't be
0: good. So it basically just, it looks like molten lava and it's, it's this molten lava that's tearing its way through the floor of the reactor. It's working its way through the pipes and stuff like alien blood. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And, and and they had this one that it kind of molded in. It looks like a giant elephant's foot and it's so radioactive, like that a person Ran down, snapped one picture, ran back up out of it and later died from radiation poisoning. And you can see in the picture, you see all these dots, which is the radioactive particles, like impacting the the film from the, on the camera and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: so it's just insane. Like, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So and it's so- like this pillar of complete radioactivity just emanating and in- it's massive. It reminds yeah. me of like like those movies where they might get the artifact like Indiana Jones or Heavy Metal with that with that orb and they they open it and it and then they their face melts off like that's that's what that is but it's real life it's not even a movie it's the elephant's foot
0: no that's that's what happens like so basically this thing's melting and it's still going down and they've dropped all this stuff on it to stop it but it's still hot. and they're worried at this point in time, all that water that they ho- sprayed in there is now underneath everything. And what's and what's going to happen is when this hits water, this massive pool of coronium and all this other crud, it's going to have a a reaction because of that and actually cause a third explosion, way worse than the first two. And so they brought in uh, miners and fire brigade people, and the miners actually had to dig down underground and dig a tunnel to this so that way they could drain this water out in order to prevent the 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 magma from basically hitting it and causing a third explosion 10,000 miners uh were brought in and did this and they're like digging and they're taking their masks off cuz it's just this hot tunnel that they're working in the statistic i saw on this of those miners a quarter of them died before the age of 40 from wow. various causes and stuff like that yeah wow um, one of them, uh, Valdemir Pravic. he was one of the first firemen at the actual scene. He died on May 9th. So very shortly after buried and was buried in a, um, in a, uh, zinc coffin because his body was uh, so
1: radioactive. That's some dystopian shit, man. Yeah. 1986. There you go. Do you remember, do you remember this at all? And I remember it in the news later.
0: Yeah, I've, I I remember it more later than at that age because, I mean, at that age, I was a kid, and stuff like that didn't fully register to my life, you know? Uh, it's so, in
1: the, yeah, and it's in the USSR,
0: so who cares? Yeah, yeah so I'm going to go play with my toys now. <laughs> the cleanup, the liquidation of Chernobyl is what they called it. They brought in people called the liquidators. That's just all the people that worked there, they were called liquidators and they had to like spray stuff down. They dropped this uh, gooey stuff from helicopters to tamp the ground down. Uh, they scooped it up and buried it. Uh, they killed the animals, like I mentioned, and then they started building this. Um, they call it the sarcophagus, which was a, a building constructed around the radiator or the um, the reactor. And um, they tried bringing in robotic machines. So the building next to the one that exploded had a bunch of this, um, uh, radioactive graphite is laying around all over the place and they had this roof and they brought in remote control, like machines to try to like push it all off the roof in order to contain it all. But the radiation caused the machines to break down and stuff. So they actually had to send people up to do the work. They would run up, th- they would go up there. They would work for 45 seconds at a time before then going back down in order and getting out of the, out of the space. So I imagine you basically, they run up, they do two scoops of shovels, shoveling the stuff off the roof, and then they run back down. And, uh, and basically one guy was talking he was like, we came down and we're, and we're exhausted. We feel we have no energy whatsoever. We were completely exhausted just from doing that.
1: If it weren't so terrible and, and horrific and scary, it would almost be funny.
0: Yeah. it's crazy. Ended up costing like eighteen billion rubles to uh to clean up. They put a shell on it today. It's kind of like this uh, circular shell now that it's cool. So you know how the the um <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's so cool. <laughs> well, you know like the uh, the roof of the the what do they call the the baseball stadium in Seattle now? They changed the name. T Mobile Field, is that what they're calling it now? Yeah, or is that the football field? The Mariner's Park. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. The,
1: so it's got that and You don't retract- need to call it the corporate name because it'll probably change anyway. Yeah, it so. seems to, but where's Mariners, I can remember the, the name the Mariners field. All right. The baseball park, but it has that retractable roof
0: that kind of rolls in oh, and stuff. Uh-huh. So they built it like that. So it's this big domed building that they built on tracks and then they rolled it in over the entire site and then sealed it up and stuff in order to keep the whole site. And Now there's, um, they're actually still cleaning up the site inside because of course built, you know, the stuff in there can fall and and that kind of stuff. And it's all radioactive. And so they've got like, I I watched a video, a guy, um, they let, uh, like a certain group of people in and stuff. And and I watched a video on it and they've got big cranes and stuff in there that's tearing stuff down. So they're actually still working on the site to this day.
1: (laughs) And you think that's so cool.
0: (laughs) Well, it's cool. I mean, it's terrible. Like, it's so radioactive that they have to do that uh, and put, like, a dome. Because that first building that they built, they only thought it would last for, like, 20 or 30 years. Because it was kind of, like, put up super fast. And some Mm -hmm. of the pieces were leaning on the old building and that kind of stuff. So they built this new dome to
1: cover it all securely. So after the USSR fell, from my understanding, this whole mess went to Ukraine. Yep, and like they're now they're kind of responsible for it, right? So now that there's the war going on, are they still doing their work on it, or like are, are people concerned that you don't really want to fight there because it's it'll it'll you know burn your nuts off or whatever it does there? But you also I don't know if we want to blow up that dome. It was put there for a reason, right?
0: <laughs> like, it what's seems going like on they're that. It seems like they're avoiding that, but they did. Russian troops are going through the area, right around there and stuff. And so mm. what's happening is, is all the heavy equipment and stuff is going through. It's, it's picking up the dirt. And so they're actually getting dirt, uh, irradiated dirt particles in the air and that kind of stuff from it. And they actually had to shut down a nuclear plant, I think for a little while. Cause
1: like of like fighting going on and that's the one over there. And the, like the, like the South, right. Where they are, the Russians actually hold it, but they have a, all this military equipment there, and yeah. everybody's afraid that if if we if if they go fighting there, then it's going to be another Chernobyl, right? Yeah. So there's no fighting there. <laughs> the Russians just took it over. Oh yeah, it's crazy stuff. I mean, and, wow. And, so, so you want to you want to you want to actually go there? What do you want to do there? I want to see. It? Wanna I want
0: to look at the town. There's uh, the two towns Chernobyl and there's the, the other one that I've mentioned a prop So you can uh-huh. actually tour it on a, in a tour group and uh, you know, take pictures and just see the site and experience it. Huh. So as long as you do it for a tour and you're not there for a long time, you're not going to get
1: enough radiation to kill you. You just want to stay there for an extended period of time. I mean, I guess I can kind of see the allure. It's kind of like when people go to Detroit
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because it's just, it looks like a Chernobyl, like that's how urban, that's how decayed that city's become. And there's a number of photographers who just want to go there and get these great photos of this once like vibrant area that it's decayed. Right. I, I think it must be kind of like that where people used to live there and then it's completely abandoned and nature took it over and you have these irradiated dogs,
0: you yeah. <laughs> know, I, uh, I yeah, I like kind of seeing old abandoned places and stuff. So same with Detroit. I, I wanted to go to Detroit kind of during the peak of that. I know they've torn down a lot of that and they're revitalizing it and stuff. But bastards. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's crazy, and it's crazy that Japan showed us even a technologically advanced country as Japan could have a nuclear meltdown. This is why they they haven't built any nuclear power plants in the U.S. in years, but they keep talking about it. Uh, I looked it up and there's 439 nuclear reactors in operation around the world in 30 different countries.
1: Mm, How many are in the United States? I don't think we have a whole lot of those nuclear power plants, but it goes back and both of these level seven nuclear disasters go back to the, it's not as much of a technology thing as it is a cultural thing in that we have a hierarchy and one guy's in charge and one guy says it's okay, even though everybody else doesn't, but we got to do what this guy says, cause he's in charge. You see what happens happened both level seven events happen for the same reason. Yeah. So it's the same with the pandemic. You had that Chinese doctor who found it and he was trying to tell everybody in China, like all the officials and stuff. It's called cognitive dissonance. People cognitive dissonance. So if you have someone in charge and they tell you everything's okay, but you know, it's not that, that, that person can suck it. Don't, don't listen to them. Follow your, follow your guts and follow what you know, because you know what? People are fallible. It doesn't matter if they, if they have a a badge or or they have a position of authority, if they're wrong, they're wrong. That's what Chernobyl has taught us.
0: Yeah. So there are 92 commercial nuclear reactors in the United States right now. 28 different states. Uh, Illinois alone has 11 reactors. That's still a lot, though. That seems like a lot to me. It supplies, I didn't realize this, nuclear supplies 50% of America's energy. Are you serious? According to energy.gov, the website I'm looking at right now. So assuming it's accurate. That's crazy. I know, yeah, because we're in Washington State. We get most of ours from hydro. And now building two new nuclear plants in the US right now.
1: Well, so what do you think about that? Because here's the deal with this whole Russian invasion, and they're trying to like hold Europe by the nuts because they provide like a huge chunk of their oil and natural gas, right? And that's why, and that's what's funding this war, is the European Union is actually funding the war that they hate because of all this reliance on Russian gas. So, and Germany got kind of held by the balls too, because they don't want to go nuclear and they want to be green. They're very green people, right? They want to do the whole green thing, but now they're like, they're caught in a hard position because they don't, they got to go find a gas and they're reliant on that. So what do you think? Like is nuclear, even though every once in a while you get these disasters, is that like a good option?
0: I don't know. Like it's a hard one. I, yeah, I'm certainly against the continued burning of fossil fuels, but that means we got to come up with good alternatives. You know, it'd be nice if we could do more hydro electric wind, that kind of stuff, but that's such a small percentage of how we get our energy nowadays. and, And it has a high cost to it. Generally I'm against nuclear. Mostly because of a the potential for disaster, and b because of the waste.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get all of this
0: nuclear waste that has to be stored for thousands of years as it mm-hmm. slowly rots and destroys, you know, where wherever it's stored. Um, so on those two principles, I'm I'm against nuclear.
1: Um, hopefully, fusion energy will actually happen in our lifetime. Yeah, Bill Nye, the science guy, was explaining that. That's how I get my scientific knowledge is Bill Nye. I'm like, I don't understand it. Bill Nye, what do you have to say? Yeah. What's your opinion on it? Uh, I'm kind of with you. I, I mean, I, I it's a great source of energy um, that you don't have to rely on other countries. And it and if everybody had all the nuclear reactors and they could support themselves, then you'd have a lot less of this reliance on on your neighbors and maybe less war and conflict. But that's the biggest thing is these things produce just terrible waste that doesn't decay. It just sticks around forever. It's like taking a big shit, but but then like the turd just kind of doesn't go anywhere and you got to bury it and it just never decays. It's just a big stinky turd for thousands of years. That's pretty, that's scary stuff, man. That's my, that's what I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the war over there shows, I mean, they've got nuclear power plants that they're also fighting over and what happens, like you said, what happens if one of them accidentally gets bombed or something happens, it's a tough one, but we are, uh, looks like we're out of time. So I think we should just wrap it up here. Well, folks, uh, if you want to let us know what you think about the Chernobyl disaster or anything going on over there in Ukraine at the moment, you can meet us on our website at the 80s 90scom dot com. And with that, we're out of here like mutant animals roaming around the wilderness in search of our next meal.